series called 21 Days of Prayer. And we've been unfolding the text on the Lord's Prayer with expository teaching. And in this passage, Jesus has given us one of the best gifts ever, advice on how to pray. And uh, the Lord's Prayer is the greatest prayer that's ever been prayed. And getting advice from Jesus on how to pray is like getting advice from Warren Buffett on how to invest. Why wouldn't you do it? You know, why wouldn't you take that? So, uh, and if you got a humble heart, I mean, let, let me be clear on who this message is not for today. All right. If prayer comes easy to you, <laughs> if your mind never wonders while you pray, this message is not for you. All right. If when somebody cuts you off in traffic or the driver behind you lays on his horn for no apparent reason and your natural reflex is a response is a prayer of blessing, th- this message is not for you. If you consider yourself a super spiritual prayer Jedi warrior, this message is not for you. It's for the rest of us. I know it's for me. Jesus gave this prayer as a gift for normal people just like you and I. And I guess the danger for all of us here would be that we would memorize it and then just kind of rip through the phrases mindlessly, you know, repetitiously. uh, mechanically, meaninglessly, without even thinking about what we're praying. That's the danger. The goal has to be that we would absorb our mind in these words, and that's why we're taking our time going through it phrase by phrase, verse by verse. Um, Back on week one, we started off with the first phrase, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And if you'll recall, Pastor Paul talked about what kind of father God is and how he is a competent and caring father and how he's a compassionate and consistent father. And he may not have had a father like that growing up, but don't project that father on your heavenly father because he's different. He's an amazing father, somebody that you want to be with and that you can trust. And then last week, Pastor Matt walked us through the second uh, phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is a prayer of surrender. And uh, he gave us four ways in which surrender is a solution to stress. If we experience that, as we experience all of us doing that in our lives, uh, that when things are uncontrollable in our life or when people are unchangeable, when pain unexplainable, the antidote to lower the stress in our life is to pray this prayer of surrender. And then today, we're going to look at the third phrase in this prayer, which is a prayer of dependence. A prayer of dependence. It's only six words. Uh, so, we're, we're getting thorough here, right? <laughs> uh, in Matthew six eleven, Jesus taught us to pray, give us, uh, let's say it together, one, one voice. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. As you know, bread is a universal staple food. I mean, you can find it in every culture around the globe. Bread is one of the oldest foods known to mankind. Uh, 
But when Jesus says we're to pray, give us today our daily bread, he's, he's talking about far more than just physical bread. In fact, in Scripture, the Bible tells us that bread represents uh, four things. Four things in Scripture that bread represents. Number one, it represents the necessities of life. The necessities of life. You need water to live, air to live. You need sunshine to live. You need nourishment to live. Those are the necessities for your physical body. And it's interesting, God never created anything without providing what it needs to live. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, even for the fish in the ocean, God says, I provided for all of them. Psalm 104 says, but what about the ocean so big and wide? It is alive with creatures large and small. There'd be big whales or little minnows. All these depend on God to provide them with food and, and he feeds each one with his own hand. Now, I think it's important to note here that when you and I pray, give us this day our daily bread, that doesn't mean you just sit on the couch and veg out and wait for God to throw you money. All right? He made us to work, and the Bible has a lot to say about that. Work is a part of God's purpose for your life, and it builds character and a lot of other things. But Proverbs 14:23 says, work hard, or hard work pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. So, bread first of all represents the necessities of life, and uh, He provides those for us as we make Him Lord in our life. Uh, and then, that, that, of course, that's the physical. And then there's a spiritual implication. Number two, bread represents God's Word. The Bible is spiritual bread. It's, it's spiritual food for you and I. It's a symbol. Bread is a symbol for Scripture. Uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy. And, and Jesus said that. He was actually quoting the book of Deuteronomy. You see, you and I need more than just physical nourishment to live a life that is full and alive. We need spiritual nourishment. Just as much as you need physical food for your body, you need soul food for your soul. You need spiritual food in order to live a life that is full. And then the third thing that bread represents is it represents God's family and fellowship. I had a couple of prayer, pastor prayer partners pray for me before I came out here as I do every Sunday that I teach. And, and one of them just said, God, uh, thank you for this family that you put me in. And he said, I pray that we'll just grow closer this year, in this new year. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? So we have physical needs, we have spiritual needs, and we have relational needs. So number three, it represents God's family and fellowship. God says you need people in your life. You need, you need other believers called the uh, fellowship, the church. Bread is a metaphor for the church, the family of God. And we need to be in fellowship with other believers in Christ. Each, even the phrase breaking bread together is a synonym for fellowship. The Bible says this, the bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it we participate and share in fellowship and in the body of Christ, which is the church? And if you used to read on in Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. By the way, what's the apostles' teaching? Well, it's, it's the Scriptures. It's the Bible. It's the New Testament. Acts 2 says they studied it and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? 
to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And they made it a habit to be in fellowship together. And I realize that uh, those of you watching online, maybe you've decided through this pandemic that you know that uh, you're going to continue to have church in the safety of your home. And I, I get that if that's, if that's where you're at. But there will come a time here as vaccines come available, you got to make a decision to get back into fellowship. And I want to encourage you to do that um, for those watching online. Uh, so I, I'd challenge you to begin to think about your reentry uh, when, as vaccines become really more available. You know, I'm thankful for technology. My wife and I were down in Florida last couple weeks on the beach watching online, and we, we watched the music, beautiful, the message has been great, but we just looked at each other, man, it's good, but it's not the same. Not as the same as being here. Both of my adult children uh, had lived overseas for extended time. Both of them were in Australia for a while. And I remember being so grateful during that season for technology, you know, uh, it'd be FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. And we get off the phone or the computer and we, after watching, looking at them, uh, and I'd say to my wife, well, they look good, you know? And it just kind of puts you at ease and you could see their faces, you know? But it still wasn't the same as actually being with them. I heard someone the other day say the same thing about worship online, you know, that it's kind of like kissing your girlfriend on the telephone. It's, it's just not the same, you know? And so as you plan your re-entry back into church, into fellowship, you know, you can be assured that we're continuing to uh, social distance here. Every other row has been blocked off, roped off. We're still taking the temperature of every child that enters into children's church. We recently had every seat in here professionally clean. The folks at the Welcome Center will tell, will tell me that over 80% of our people who walk in, walk in with masks and we don't try to control anybody. I don't know, I don't get trying to control other people. That's not my business. But, uh, but many will bring, bring their, their mask in and, and then uh, with uh, Governor Holcomb's mandate, you know, masks can, if, if you choose, can be removed once you know, you're seated here in the sanctuary as long as you're social distancing. Some people, most people here choose to do that. I mention all that just to say after having in-person services for almost a year now, 10, 10 months, we can say with confidence that Brandywine has been a safe place to come and worship. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, to God be the glory. For those of you who are watching online, I just want to encourage you Again, uh, as these vaccines become available more readily, uh, the, the danger is bad habits, isn't it? That's the concern. Barna Research tells us uh, that they estimate that 30% of the church uh, members across our country who have been not in fellowship but watching online or not doing anything will not return at all to church. 30%. And uh, so I just say, don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that girl. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, be in fellowship. So bread represents the necessities of life. It represents the word of God. It, it represents the family of God, the church in, 
and fellowship. And um, so when you look at those, it represents physical, spiritual, relational needs. And number four, the fourth thing it represents is salvation. When you, when, when you see the word bread in Scripture, it represents our salvation in Christ. Our salvation in Christ, in Jesus. Uh, Jesus chose bread to represent his sacrifice in communion. And we're going to take communion here at the end of our service today. And Scripture tells us that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. And so when you take the bread and when you take the cup, as you drink the juice, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. It's a, it's a symbol. And Jesus said, every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, it's to remind you of how much I love you. It's to remind you of the sacrifice that I made for you. It's to remind you how I paid for your ticket to heaven. And it's to remind you that I am coming back for my bride and I want her to be holy. And so he's saying, I don't want you to ever forget that. And so I'm gonna give you these two symbols. He's like bread and juice. And we call it the Lord's Supper or communion. But here's the point. Don't miss it. Whatever your need might be, whether it be physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, God says, I will take care of all your needs if you will depend on me. That's what he's saying. Give us this day our daily bread. I'll take care of you, whatever need you have, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, financial, whatever. You know, today's message being on how to depend on God to meet our needs. What does that mean? What does that mean to depend on God? Well, it means two things. Very simple. Number one, depending on God means seeing God as my source. He is my main source. Not anybody, not anyone else. That's the first step. The source of what? Literally the source of everything. I mean, everything you see in this world, everything you even can't see in this world and universe, God made. Air, light, water. He's the source of every good thing. We sang about it this morning. The goodness of God. And here's four truths that you need to remember. Number one, it's all a gift. It's all a gift from God. You can't earn the necessities of life we just went over. You can't earn air. You can't earn water. You can't earn life itself. You can't earn the sunlight that you need, you know, that keeps you alive. I mean, even your life, it's all a gift. I mean, you and I couldn't even take our next breath if it weren't for God. Think about it. The Bible tells us in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from God above. And that's why you and I look at, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, this, this third phrase starts with the word give. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because it's a gift. You can't earn it. It's all a gift. Number two, depend on God means that there's nothing I need that God can't provide. There's nothing that you and I need that God can and will not provide. He's Lord of our life. He's the supplier of everything. And you and I don't even know all that we're going to need in this new year, 2021, but he does. 
and he's able to supply all that you need. Do you believe that? Philippians 4.19, this promise, God will supply all you ever need for, from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, glorious resources? resources. Well, it means that God is, has unlimited resources. There's nothing that you and I would ever need that he can't and won't provide if it's a legitimate need rather than a, a greed. <laughs> All right. Uh, therefore, as a, as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should never, and you should never live with a scarcity mentality. You say, what's a scarcity mentality? A scarcity mentality is saying, I'm afraid there's not going to be enough, so I panic, so I worry, so I, I, I become anxious, and I become afraid. And yet God promises me that there's nothing I need that he can't supply. Number three, God wants to give it. I think you need to know that. That no matter what you need in your life, God wants to give it to you. Matthew 7, 11. Just so you know, your pastor's not making this stuff up. <laughs> if you were asked by your son for bread, would you give him a stone? The answer obviously is, of course not. How much more likely is it that your heavenly father will give good things to those who ask him? In other words, you serve a heavenly father who wants to meet all your needs. That's what it's saying. He wants to meet your needs. Number four, the fourth thing I need to remember is that he is waiting on me. <laughs> so if you have needs in your life that, that are not being met, just know it's not God's fault, all right? You're not, you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. You do not have, the scripture says, because you do not ask God. So the problem is not that God doesn't want to meet your need. The problem is that we... We never asked him for it. Uh, over 20 times, study it, over 20 times in the New Testament, God says, ask me, ask me. I mean, there, there's, there's scripture phrases in there like, ask and it should be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Whatever you ask in my name, he says, I'll do it. Over and over, we're told to ask. God says, I want you to look to me as the source for all your needs. All your needs in life. That's the way he said I designed it. So here's my very blunt question this morning. Who's your source? Who is your source for your safety, for security, for your financial stability, who's your source? Uh, is it Washington? I hope not. Is it Wall Street? Man, I hope, hope not. Your job, well, you could we, any of us could lose that anytime. What person in your life are you looking to meet your needs? No man, earthly man, will ever meet all your needs. No woman ever meet, able to meet all your needs. So, so many people who go into marriage, they say, well, you know what? I found someone who's, who's going to meet all my needs. You're asking that person to, to be what, who only God can be when you say that. Only God can meet all of our needs, right? 
Look to God as your only source. That's what it means to depend on Him. And then the second thing, number two, the second thing it means to depend on God is it means trusting Him for one day at a time. Trusting Him for one day at a time. Not for next week, not, not for next month, not for next year. Just one day at a time. God says, I, I'm going to make this real simple, all right? I want you to take life in bite sizes, bite-sized pieces, in 24-hour increments. I want you to trust me just for today. Notice the Bible does not say, give us this day our monthly bread. It does not say, give us uh, this day our annual bread. It does not say, even like a paycheck, give it a weekly bread. It says, I want you to trust me one day at a time. So don't worry about tomorrow or the next week and the next month. I want you to just take one day at a time. Give us today our daily bread. Say, so how do I do that? How do you trust God just today? Well, there are four things that you can do here in closing that are covered all in one scripture. It's nice that he did that for us. Flip, Philippians 4, 6, and 8. Don't worry about anything, he says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, thanking him for all that he has done, and fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about these things that are pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. This passage gives us four four steps to trusting God for today, one day at a time. Are you ready? Number one, worry about nothing. That's what he says. That's the first step. Don't worry about anything. And let's be honest here. This is one of the hardest commands in all of the Bible to obey, right? Are you with me? Don't worry about anything. I mean, there are some commands in the Bible that really aren't that hard to obey. When the Bible says don't murder, that should not be hard for you today. (laughs) Most of the time. The Bible says don't commit adultery. Personally, I don't find that that hard not, not when you're married to Kathy Wright. She turned 16. I just like, wow. <laughs> Man, I lost my thought. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay. But this one, don't worry about anything. It's easy to break... It's easy to break this one a half dozen times before lunch, right? Why is worrying such a big deal? Why does God say, I don't want you to worry? Well, you may never thought about it like this before, but worry is not just a bad habit. It's, it's, it's flat out sin. That's what the Bible says. Worry is a sin. Why? Because it is an insult to our Heavenly Father. Every time you and I worry. What you're saying is, God, I don't believe your promises. Every time you worry, you're saying, God, I do not believe that you love me. God, I do not believe that you're, you're going to take care of me. God, I, I, be, I, I don't believe that you're going to meet all my needs. 
Every time you worry, you're acting like a spiritual orphan or you're acting like an atheist or something. Worrying is an insult to God. It's offensive to him. And he says, don't worry about anything. And Matthew says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. And he says, worry about nothing. And the next thing he says, number two, is pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Every time you worry, you're not praying. And every time you're praying, you're not worrying. Uh, so we have two choices. We can either pray or we can panic. We can either, uh, we can either worry or we can worship. Worry, as you know, never solved a single problem. I mean, it's one of the most useless emotions. But prayer can change things. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything? Yeah, literally. There's nothing you cannot pray about. That's why we're in this 21 days of prayer, getting our hearts and minds right as we enter into this new year. Romans 8:32 says, Since God did not spare even his own son for us, in other words, he, he sent Jesus to die for us. But he gave him up for all of us. Won't he also surely give us everything else? He's saying, if God cared enough to die for you, don't miss it. You don't have to worry about tomorrow, about him taking care of your needs. Pray about everything. And then the third thing he says in this verse is thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. No matter what happens in 2021, no matter what happens, uh, you know, politics, no matter what happens in the future, in everything, he says, give thanks. In everything. Now, I want you to notice that word. Don't miss this today. This is beautiful. That word in. Notice it does, what it does not say. It does not say, for everything give thanks. Put, the, uh, put that up there for me for a second. Oh, do you have for everything give thanks? Okay, maybe not. Okay, I thought I sent that in. It doesn't say for everything give thanks. It says in everything give thanks. There's a difference. God would never ask us to be thankful for bad things in your life. That's not who our God is. You're never to be thankful for evil. You're never to be thankful for abuse or, uh, you know, for, for somebody leaving you, uh, abandonment. I mean, that would be sick, right? God doesn't say be thankful for everything. He says be thankful in everything. You say, well, how can I be thankful in everything? Well, because I know that God's going to take care of me. <laughs> because I know that God's still in control, no matter what's going on, the circumstance of my life, because I know that he's going to meet all my needs. Amen? So don't worry. I'm able to put my full trust in him. He's my source for everything. And I know he's going to see me through this. Therefore, I can thank God in all things. It was uh, Fulton Sheen who said, quote, humility is dependence on God as pride is independence of him. The humble soul 
is always the thankful soul. It's good. Number four, the last one here, the fourth thing that you do to trust God one day at a time is to think about the right things. You got to get your mind right. You got to fix your mind on the right thing. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Think about the right things. Whatever you put your mind on and fix your mind on is what's going to get you. I mean, if you fill your mind with worries, you're going to become depressed. You're going to become discouraged and defeated. But if you'll, fill, if you'll fix your mind on the right things, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be lifted up. You're going to, you're going to, be, you're going to live a hope-filled life. Fix your mind on the right things. And notice he gives us a list of the things that are the right things. <laughs> he says, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right. Fix your mind on what's pure and lovely and admirable, what's excellent, what's worthy of praise. Where do you find things that are pure and lovely to think about? On HBO? Not most of the time. On CNN? Fox News? Hardly ever. If, if you want to thrive in 2021, the more you fill your mind with God's Word, are you with me? The more you're going to be at peace. And uh, so if you don't have a good Bible, go out in the bookstore today, get you one of the good Bibles we got out there, and read it, study it, memorize it, get it, get it in your heart and mind, you're eating your drink. <laughs> Isaiah 26 gives us this promise that he, God, will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, those whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Why? Because you and I, we need to fix our minds on the right things in order to trust him for today. So I trust him one day at a time. I worry about nothing. I pray about everything. I thank him in all things, and I keep my mind on the right things. And so this morning, I don't know what may be going on in your mind and what's going on in your life. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe, maybe you have a relational hurt from the past. Maybe you have an emotional hurt or physical hurt. Maybe you're hurting financially or whatever. Regardless of what you are going through this morning, I want to invite you to become a part of a great movement of God. Uh, would you join me? A movement that says, we're going to trust God no matter what as we go into 2021 together. Amen? Amen? Come on, who's with me on this? I'm going to see God as my source. And I'm going to I'm going to trust God for today. And I'm going, to, I'm going to believe that he's got this. And at peace, passes all understanding, he's going to come all over me. How do you do that? Two things. First, if you've never done this, you've got to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will ever be spiritually hungry again. That's what he said. Those who believe in me will never thirst. <laughs> spiritually, there's a hunger 
is what he's saying in every human heart that only God can fill. No woman can ever fill that hunger. No man can ever fill that hunger. That man does not exist except through Jesus Christ. It's a hole in your heart. It's a hunger for God. And God is the only one who can fill that void. And you need him. And we need all of us to depend on him as our source and to live one day at a time. So when you let him fill that hunger, you'll never thirst again, the Bible says. You'll never have a, a spiritual thirst or hunger again. I, I challenge you to open your heart to Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to do these two steps. The scripture tells me. Will you do this with me as we move into the new year together? Will you say, God, I'm going to see you as my source. Not Washington, not Wall Street, not my job, not anybody else. I'm going to trust God on a daily basis. Not for monthly bread, not for yearly, but for daily bread. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. But before we do, would you first say, Jesus, I need you to fill the hunger in my heart. I need you to fill the longing, the emptiness, the void. I know there's something missing. I just didn't know what it was. But I need you, the bread of life, to fill the emptiness in my heart so I'll never be hungry again. God, I'm going to see you as my only source, and I'm going to trust you for today. I'm going to ask you to help me to worry about nothing, to pray about everything. Help me to thank you in all things, in all things, and to keep my mind on the right things. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You said yes to God today. I encourage you to go to the yes table. Or if you're online, just check off that decision you made and we'll get you some things that help you to grow and get connected into fellowship. If you're a guest here today, I hope that you'll uh, stop by guest services. We have a gift for you. Pastor Paul is going to come and lead us in communion.